Live across the greatest city known to man, from Altona to Abbotsford. From, from inside the Melbourne Club to outside and into the Bentley, it's Howie and the Moon Man. And of course me, Malcolm, the Prime Minister. The Winter Breakfast on Triple M. Oh, by G, by Jingo, by Crikey. Welcome to the Winter Breakfast on Triple M. Good morning to you, Lawrence Mooney. Good morning to you, Howie. Uh, what a glorious morning it is. I, I've got to say, just before we kick off this mm. morning, got a little bit of a whinge. Uh, at no time uh, is a red arrow more useless and pointless and annoying than at 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> Sitting at a red arrow when you could fire a gun mm. down both sides of the street, it's like... Is there not the technology for the Red Arrow to know that there's no traffic there? Well, you would think. It's who, just control. It's just the man coming down on me. The, who controls the Red Arrow? Yeah, well, somebody. There's a control room somewhere watching me sit at that Red Arrow just going, oh, look at him. I know this is going to be a good show because DC, our audio guru that gets clips for the show, mm. the first clip says UQK, which is where you need to type it into the computer to get yep. it. Uh, clip one, Lawrence dash dog anus. And therefore, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know we've got just, a sharp show got lined a, up. You've got a little bit of a warm feeling behind the chest there, have There's you? some big stories coming, and all yeah. I get is Lawrence dash dog anus. Now, yeah. talking about the big stories, two big overnight stories. I'm going to bring you up to date with both of them. Please and then do. I want you to tell me which is more concerning. Uh, two revolve around blow-ups. The first, that North Korea successfully launched an intercontinental ballistic missile last night, apparently capable of reaching Australia. It was fired from the border with China and flew for about 40 minutes, this particular North Korean missile. That's the one story of the day. The second story... Clearly didn't have a warhead on it. No, so it's did, a trial. no I don't want to, I don't want to alarm people at seven minutes past yeah, six. Like, it was a test. It was a test missile. Second blow up, Wimbledon, burn atomic beaten in straight sets. His press conference, which we'll play some of very, very soon, is quite extraordinary. He says he's bored, he's not interested in tennis, wouldn't care if he lost the first round or the fourth round of the US Open. A man disinterested with the game. Which is the more concerning story for Australians this morning, Lawrence Moon? Well, for Tommy, you know, it's big news. Wimbledon is, uh, for many people, the tennis tournament that they watch yes. once a year. Maybe the Oz Open as well. Um, when it comes to North Korea, mm. I, I'm excited by the prospect. <laughs> Interesting view. Because uh, I think we should put a poll out there, uh, one triple three five three. Uh, if you if he if you could choose a place to blow up in Australia, which one would you put the button on? Which one would you go? You know, I've had a couple of bad coffees in Ipswich. <laughs> uh, you know, if if you could if you could petition Kim Jong Il Un. Uh, Just KJ. I no, I don't want to get his name wrong. <laughs> no, because all of a sudden, in your part of the world, there might be one rocketing into your backyard. Well, I think we're safe in Melbourne. We're as far away from North Korea as, you know, Hobart's looking great. Yeah, I'm moment. moving to Sandy Bay as we speak. <laughs> I love Donald uh, Donald J. Trump. You may know him as the 45th president. Uh, what what did he States bring? He hasn't been on Twitter again, has he? North, on Twitter. Mm. North Korea has just launched another missile. Does this guy have anything better to do with his life? <laughs> Question mark. Hard to believe. Oh, great. This is Hard what he's at. This South is the president. Korea, yes, the president. Hard to believe that South Korea and Japan are putting up with this much longer. Perhaps China put on a heavy move, blah, blah, blah. Nonsense. Once and for all. Mm, has he bad, got anything? Sad. Has he got anything better to do with his the, life? That's what he's asking. Yeah, he's asking that about the president of North Korea whilst he sits blind somewhere, smashing some, you know, uh, Wild turkey, not cold turkey. <laughs> tweeting for most of his life. And as Rosie pointed out yesterday, he spent a fifth of his presidency golfing. That's an extraordinary story you sent through, Rose. 
and Tom is in the studio today. Rose is just sneaking around on a microphone. So that shouldn't couldn't have been a true story, Rose, surely. Yeah, well, uh, Vox and uh, I think Newsweek have put together. So it's like one twentieth of his uh, presidency has been on the golf course. He it's not quite it. as bad as one fifth, which you've just brought out to the table, Moon Man. But one twentieth okay, is not the, good. Read the stats wrong. But he spent a lot of time on the golf course because, like Bernard Tomic, Donald J. Trump is bored with his job and he doesn't care for it much. You so they both right. found themselves in positions where they've gone, actually, I've got this skill, but I, I don't want this. Bernard Tomic. Let's drill down on Bernie. Well, he's been defeated in straight sets overnight by a man he beat at Eastbourne a couple of weeks ago. Misha Zerev in straight sets took 84 minutes, which did include a medical timeout from Bernie, which he later claimed he didn't really need. And what was the medical timeout for, Howie? The fact he was getting absolutely smoked by Misha Zerev. Right. And it was hurting something in his body as a result of that. He had to have a cool towel on the psyche. Correct. Press conference quite extraordinary afterwards. Amongst other things, he said he was bored with tennis, didn't really care if he won or lost. Here's a little bit of a taste of it post-match. You know, holding a trophy or, you know, doing well, though, it's not going to, doesn't satisfy me anymore. Like, it's just, it's not there. I couldn't care less if I make a fourth round US Open or I lose first round. To me, everything's the same. And, uh, you know, I know I'm going to play another 10 years and uh, I know after my career, I won't have to work again. So for me, this is mental. You know, it's a roller coaster and uh, I just can't seem to find like the commitment to work hard to enjoy and to lift trophies maybe i have to look at a few things and uh maybe play less tournaments but to me right now i'm just i'm not super pleased i'm not happy with myself but i'm in between anyone who is listening to that will immediately just go spoiled brat uh doesn't know how good he's got it listen to him privileged had it on a plate but for me, there's a little cry for help there too, which says I can't find the motivation to, you know, he's getting no pleasure from it. He's getting no reason to be in there. So he needs to get his head right. But has he ever been that committed? He's, I mean, he's been blessed with some gifts, hasn't he? Well, and some opportunities. We'll speak to Roger Rashid, renowned tennis guru, at five past seven to ask him some of these questions. The guru! But if it's the first time you've ever heard of Bernard Tomic, you might have thought, oh, the bloke's had a bad day. It's all right. Give him a spell. But however, oh, Lawrence Mooney, this is a man with a, a longer rap sheet than blokes with really long rap sheets. September 2009. Declines a practice session with Leighton Hewitt, with a representative reportedly telling Hewitt's team the two-time Grand Slam winner isn't good enough. Tomic denies this, saying he turned down the session because he had swine flu. January 2012. Find three times in one day for speeding offences while driving his orange BMW around the Gold Coast. September 2012. Accused of tanking by John McEnroe after a 6-3, 6-4, 6-love loss to Andy Roddick in the second round of the US Open. January 2013. Loses his driving license after getting caught speeding again. This time in a yellow Ferrari. May 2013. Tomic's dad, John, headbutts his son's hitting partner, Frenchman Thomas Drouet, during an argument in a Madrid street. Breaking Drouet's nose, John Tomic claims it was in self-defense. November 2013. Photographed getting a lap dance from two women during the annual schoolies celebration on the Gold Coast. January 2014. Booed by his home crowd at the Australian Open when he pulls out of a heavily hyped match against Rafael Nadal after one set citing a groin injury. March 2014. Suffers the fastest loss in ATP history. Losing to Finland's Jarko 
Marco Neiman and 6Love61 in just 28 minutes. July 2015. Goes on an epic rant against Tennis Australia at Wimbledon after then TA Performance Director Pat Rafter threatens to withdraw TA funding for his family. Tommy calls Rafter a, quote, good actor and a, quote, mask for TA boss Craig Tiley. July 2015. Arrested in Miami after a party noise complaint in a $10,000 a night hotel penthouse. He spends a day in jail and his shirtless mugshot is shown around the world. May 2016. Concedes a match to Fabio Fognini at the Madrid Open by holding his racket backwards on match point. Later, he says he didn't care about the match because he is, quote, 23 and worth over $10 million. May 2016. He and Nick Kyrgios are warned by Olympic team chef de Michon, Kitty Chiller, that they may not be selected for Rio if their behavior does not improve. May 2016. Retires from a match against Benoit Pair in Rome after just eight minutes, saying he's ill and the heat is too much. March 2017. Tomic retires in Acapulco, citing unbearable heat. The temperature was 27 degrees. April 2017. Withdraws from his second round match against Andy Murray after breaking a streak of five first round losses. May 2017. Tomic is bundled out of the first round of the Italian Open in Rome, losing to world number 52, Jan Leonard Struff of Germany. May 2017. Tomic loses his first round match of the 2017 French Open to Austrian Dominic Thiem. He loses in straight sets, and the match lasts a little more than one hour. A few days later, Tomic withdraws from his first round doubles match after only 12 minutes. Bernard Tomic, we salute you. Wow. wow. <laughs> Jinx. For a 24-year-old uh, who hasn't hit the top of his career, that is quite a rap sheet. Some of that I respected. The Ferrari stuff, I respected. Yeah. Orange BMW on the Gold yeah, Coast. I, I quite enjoyed that. But And, of, of course, we've so got good. to say congratulations to Jay Muller, uh, the producer of... Hot Breakfast, also on a break at the moment, who voiced that uh, sensational stuff, and to DC, who put all that together. What a great little package that is. And, of course, I might just try it in Jay's voice. And today, Bernard Tomic <laughs> goes down in straight sets in 84 minutes to... Misha Zarev. Misha Zarev. Bernard Tomic, we salute you. The cricket's still bubbling away. The players have now said they're prepared to give Cricket Australia till as late as Friday to make genuine progress in the pay talks. The big boys at Channel 9 sat down yesterday mm. to launch the upcoming Test Summer, which will be covered on Triple M, I might add to you, involving yourself. Uh, Michael Clark had this to say at that little function about the issues between the cricketers and Cricket Australia. It is the most important series of your career, and I know how important preparation is, so I would like the players to focus on that. And that gives Cricket Australia and the ACA time to sort this out. So, are we going to get an Ashes? There's all sorts of questions going on. Well, uh, you know, it's not only are we going to get an Ashes side that is well prepared and committed and happy with the governing body, but uh, the Channel 9 commentary team, that's a big announcement too. Because uh, every year, it's is it worth Channel 9's trouble to put a commentary team up? because it's expensive and uh, are people watching. Now, you've had a lot to do with those people. Mm. You're a cricketing fan. Mm. You were like a little boy last summer. <laughs> you looked, your voice went up a couple of octaves whenever Chappelle walked in the room. 
Was it a, a realization of a dream rubbing shoulders with those guys? Well, firstly, doing the Big Bash was. Uh, I've I've said on this station before that when Ricky Ponting first joined Channel Ten, we were all a bit concerned about how it was going to go because he's the Australian captain. He's just out of the job. We're in awe of him. Punter. He gets brought upstairs. Punter and security introduces him to the assembled Channel Ten greeting as, "Oh, boys, Rocky Ponting is here." Rocky. Which got us off to a really, really, really <laughs> shaky start, old Rocky. Um, but to go and do the big bash and sit next to Rocky or Viv Richards and Viv says, you know, do you want to go out for a, a beer after the game? Oh. Well, it, it's extraordinary. It's like you won a lottery ticket. But I've grown up like you, um, oh, let's be honest, idolising and watching the Channel 9 mm. team and just being amazed what they do and Bill and Tony and, and Richie. And, but and they're as big as cricket itself, that Channel 9 bigger, team. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. Often I think they were bigger personalities than the cricketers out on the field. Well, they've been more of a constant because they've outlived so many captains and so many fast bowlers. So exactly yes. right. And we had Michael Slater with us on Triple M last year, which was absolutely brilliant. The first chance we'd had a chance, time to, to work with him. But Ian Chappell's the one. Oh, is, he's the one. He's the one that I've always been Same. scared of. He, he is, for me, the quintessential Australian captain. He was, you know, this iconoclast. I know, sorry for doing a big word this time. Can we on. just talk about cricket, mate, and Ian Chappell rather he, than bringing he, these highfalutin words to the table? Well, he, he was irreverent. He was a rebel. That's what it basically means. He was willing to tear down the, you know, the structures from the inside. Big Sepata moustache, swashbuckling, uh, and never say die. So, yeah, the first time I met him, it was like he came over and uh, there's this kind of shared area outside the commentary yes. area where you can sit at tables and then you go on, you go to, it's like being on summer camp or at boarding school because you all line up to eat together. And, uh, and, and there's Michael Clark there and Chappelle and Bill Laurie and just lining up for the chicken vindaloo. Yeah. And uh, Shane Keith Warren is there. They're all there. Uh, you know, five captains of Australia. And so he's flicking through the newspaper and I'm standing there and he, he makes eye contact with me. He goes, g'day, son. <laughs> I'm like, ah. <laughs> G'day, Mr. Um, G'day, Church. So he likes being referred to as Chapelli, of yes. course. And then the next day he'd seen me on the television doing something. He goes, Oi, Lawrence. It's like, oh, he's learnt my name. And how good do you feel, though? Yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, I'll tell you what, he's got the walk of a confident man. Oh, he's think? got this jaunty walk. Like, you know, the, the knees are kind of turned out. Uh, like he's got a seriously huge tackle. and uh... <laughs> Well, he probably does. He's yeah. that type of bloke that probably does. He, he would wander for the first four years into the Big Bash commentary box and say, G'day, Junior. G'day, Punter. G'day, Gilly. And I'd sit there thinking, Please say G'day, Howie. Nothing. Nothing for four years. But I said, uh, after the test match in Brisbane we were doing on Triple M, he rolled in with Tubbs and Slats and Heels and Clarky, and they sat down at the table I was sitting, and he sat next to me and turned around and said, Do you want a beer, son? I was like, Yes, please. <laughs> oh, but we had a chat, and we actually had a chat about uh, refugees. He did an amazing job five or six years ago. He was on Australian Story featuring his love of needing to help out people. And as a result of that, he'd been out to the detention centres, etc. So we, we bonded a little bit over that, but I'm not saying we're tight. Well, I, I spent a bit of time with H.G. Uh, Nelson uh, during that series because he was also part of the Triple M commentary team. And uh, he was had this running joke with me. He kept going, do you think... Do you think that Chappelle hates cricket? Do you think that he hates cricket and he can't tell anyone? Go and ask him, Lawrence. Go and say, Chappelle, do you hate it? He's not a man that suffer fools. Lawrence, it's big shoes we've got to fill here. I'm filling the shoes of Ed. I think I'm doing a reasonable job. You're doing it, yeah. You've taken... Does he wear thongs and shorts? No, he in does not. No, he that's does that's the difference between you and Eddie Maguire. He rolls in uh, at uh, 530 
showered, shaved, and in a suit ready mm. for a long day. You come up from the coast, <laughs> barely out of the water in your boardies, and a sloppy joe. Does he not roll in in a combi van? No, he doesn't, no. Really? No, he doesn't have a, you know, he doesn't spark up a fatty halfway down the Geelong <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, you, on the other hand, you, on the other hand, are filling the big shoes of Mick Malloy. How's that going for you, Captain Funny? Well, let me tell you this. Uh, Mick Malloy left on uh, Friday, and he, all of a sudden he became nervous. There was this ashen look came over his face and he turned to Jay Muller. I was standing beside Jay and he goes, I've left my future in the hands of the movement. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, go on, go and enjoy your, your, your midwinter break. And he said, I can't. I'm going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night going, what have I done? Because I am actually for this week, Mick Malloy. Uh, not only am I uh, standing behind the microphone on winter breakfast here at Triple M, but uh, I'm on the front bar tomorrow. Mm. And then on Saturday, I'm on the kick, which is the pregame with uh, Matty Richardson, uh, Das. Well, Das isn't there. BT, the um, Lingy. Basil is there. Sam. Lee and Sam Lane. So I've got to look behind the curtain now. And they say, you know, never meet your heroes. Well, I know Mick quite well, but I've got to experience what his lifestyle's like. And I've got to say that Mick Malloy, is a fraud. Is he? I'm exposing him right here. He gives this impression that he's a laconic layabout, that he's always got a beer in one hand and a Winnie Blue or a falafel in the other. Well, he is like Gordon Gecko. You get off air and the schedule is gruelling. Yesterday I had to go to, you know, some media organisation in Richmond to sit down and plot out the front bar. And, you know, he looks like he just wanders in there, grabs a pot and... And it just unfolds in front of him. No, there's meticulous planning going on. Today I'm shooting a sketch for the front bar and then I'm having a phone meeting for the kick and I do a pre-production meeting for the kick. It's like there's a lot on. Desperate so the housewife? Moment, <laughs> well, I, no, not desperate housewife. Mick is seeing a real housewife of Melbourne. Oh, sorry. So. <laughs> so I'm not big on those. No. I'm not big on those reality shows. So, so no, I'm not going to fulfil that part of his. <laughs> not filling all the gaps in his private life as well. Okay, well, you said you're Mick Malloy for yeah, a week. Not living in his house, not, you know. I think he's away on holiday with, you know, his extended posse. Uh, but no, you get out off, it's like, you know, Gordon Gecko or the Devil Wears Prada. People are throwing things at you to sign. You're on the phone. He, he slips out of here, you know, once he's got back into the, he, you see him in a check shirt, and a black t-shirt and a pair of jeans. He gets off here, pinstripe suit, big cigar in the back of the roller. The fat off cat. he goes, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I think you're doing a magnificent job of it. I can't keep up uh, because, you know, he gives you this impression. This is how many steps you take during the yeah. course of a day. Pick, pick a date. Oh, you know. oh, what do you got? So, Lee, uh, what did you do on the 4th of September, Adam Mitchell? Uh Happy with that. 152 steps. <laughs> For the day? <laughs> For the day. <laughs> Like, I've done 424 well, you're getting, and it's 7 o'clock this You're getting morning. carried around Justin Bieber style, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you go to the breast game that day. Well, let's, be, let's be honest. There's not a lot of walking at kittens. It's largely sitting down. <laughs> Look at this MCG. 646 steps there. <laughs> 1,420 on the way back. Same same venue. My house. Come there, here's one. Oh, no, no steps. Oh, that would have been house arrest. So he gives the impression that he's doing nothing and he's a bit of a layabout, but I can tell you, Michael Malloy is an absolute, he's a, 
he's a gun. He's out there. He's doing a lot of steps. So uh, thank you very much for turning your life over to me for a, a week or two, Mick. You can have it back. I'll happily go and do as little as I normally do. <laughs> I'd just like to distance myself from a comment in that earlier segment too. I, uh, yes. I wrongly accused you of... Uh, you know, sparking up a fatty on the way down the Geelong Road from home. That and is I, wrongly accused. That, that too. is wrongly accused. You've never, that is. you've never appeared to be under the influence of marijuana. I'm the straightest cat in the history of straight know. cats, yeah. so that is a bit tough. Not so straight, Bernie Tomic. Straight sets loss six four six three six four in eighty four minutes to Zerev. That's pulling Mich- down Zerev, sixty grand. German. Yeah, got sixty grand for it. His press conference after the match quite bizarre. He was, I must say, brutally honest. Laid out that he doesn't really enjoy the game. Sometimes he gets bored with it and it is blown up. You know, holding a trophy or, you know, doing well, though, it's not going to, doesn't satisfy me anymore. Like, it's just, it's not there. I couldn't care less if I make a fourth round US Open or I lose first round. To me, everything's the same. And, uh, you know, I know I'm going to play another 10 years and uh, I know after my career I won't have to work again. So for me, this is. Mental, you know, it's a roller coaster, and uh, I just can't seem to find like the commitment to work hard, to enjoy, and to lift trophies. Maybe I have to look at a few things and uh, maybe play less tournaments. But to me, right now, I'm just I'm not super pleased. I'm not ha- happy with myself, but I'm in between. Well, that was Bernard Tommy in the press conference after his first round straight sets loss to Misha Zerev. Joining us on the line, we had Adam Peacock yesterday, the boys from Fox Sports dominating uh, 8pm live from Wimbledon, the daily serve with Adam Peacock, Boris Becker, who I really enjoyed last night alongside this man, Roger Rashid, who joins us from Wimbledon. Uh, good evening where you are, Roger. How are you going? Yeah, very good, thanks. And uh, yeah, look, what do you think of that press conference? It was an extraordinary press conference. You don't see too many... Like it, do you? Where um, I mean, he was it, he was swiveling around in his chair actually the whole time as well, and and then taking questions, and they was he was jumping around with the answers. I mean, it was it was a person that was um, more or less looking for help and unsure, but also basically saying that I'm just here and make a few bucks, finish my career, and if I win a few matches, so be it. Yeah, Roger, I think you hit it spot on. That There's a man crying out that he needs a bit of help. I think that's the first thing I picked up from it. But it was extraordinarily honest. You just don't see athletes as honest as Bernard was in this situation. But obviously it just reflects on him so poorly. Our, our listeners don't see him, as you say, but he's got the hat on backwards. He's spinning around. It's like he's on, a, he's like he's on another planet. It's, um, it's pretty hard to watch. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was hard to watch, but also, you know, he's, as he says, he's 24. He's been on the tour for a long time. There's not, uh, it's very easy, you know, I don't, I don't condone walking on the tennis court and, and actually displaying and, and seeing that, what I saw as well as so I had to talk through. I mean, it's, it doesn't sit well with me in any level, and I just think, uh, and that's happened a lot of times, it's not like, you know, there's a lot of serial offending that's been going on the court for a long period of time. It's not just this year, it's, it's throughout the course of his career, and it, and it stems from having legitimately, you know, not 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 a work ethic and an understanding. There's no there's no baseline for him. So I just think that part of it is not good. And uh, if he was really honest, the the other side of being honest is that you need to do something about it. Um, mm. There's nothing being done about it. There's no coach in front of him. Um, and when you don't put someone in front of you to actually help you jump the hurdles, um, there, there's a real. I think that's a real issue as well. So not if you had a hold of Tomic, Roger, would hmm. you just say to him? You got to work harder, or would you give him time off? If you were his coach, what would you say to him tonight? 
Oh, well, well, right, right now, I think you, I think he, he needs to walk away from the game, to be honest, because you know this is just this just keeps unfolding. So, um, so I think you walk away from the game and say, okay, now what do I need? I need some time off. I need to, I need to sit with someone or a, a couple of people that are senior that understand the game that would have my best interests at, at the forefront, and I need some help to understand what I want. Um, and he needs some professional help and like some real help. For the first time, he's never really had legitimate people in front of him that have to be able to guide him. If, if you know what I mean, like absolute high-end, elite quality people, and um, and it's and it's showing. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, he's 24. If it was, you know, he's young, but he's also he's quite. He, he should be. He's well matured and a senior part of the tennis fabric. And uh, you know, it's time now. This is a great time for him to step up. Will we see it? I'm not sure if we will. Rog, how are players like Bernard Tomic viewed by the rest of the locker room? It's obviously a very tight place. Tennis, do they see him as a bloke that needs help? Do they see him as a joke? Do they see him as a competitor on his day but not in others? How's he viewed? Um, he's got weapons on his day, but it's only, you know, a guy on played him last last week. I spoke to a girl today, actually. For close, obviously, I coached him for three years, very mm. close friend of mine. Um, and uh, we talked about that match actually, and he said oh, after 25 minutes, Roger, you know, it was it was really good. The first 25 minutes was like you know the tennis, you know he can play, and uh, he said after that it was finished. There was no match. Wow. Um, so 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 the locker room knows well because there's no physical base, there's no preparation behind you know just walking onto a tennis court and playing matches. He's talented enough to win some matches, but. Uh, you know, when, once he gets exposed to real high level, and it's got to be day in day out, it, it's it's hurting him, and and that's just a, that's obvious. I mean, it's not you don't have to be Einstein to understand what it looks like to be a an elite player, whether it's AFL, whether it's netball, basketball, whatever it is. Um, and so that's where he, that's where he sits at the moment. And Rog, just before we let you go, as we said, the daily serve every night on Fox Sports. Yourself, Boris Becker, and Adam Peacock really enjoying it. Uh, Boris was pretty strong last night on defending Nick Kyrgios and talking about the fact that he's played some amazing games of tennis, Davis Cup style for Australia, and that we just need to give him some time. Are you of that opinion as well? Oh, look, he's played he's played some he's played some great tennis. We've seen it. Yeah, I just I just think Boris was right as well. We, we spoke off air a lot and. Now, I really I like Nick, and I, I want all of our Australian players to be great. I love it. I mean, and that's what we want to watch. You know, want to see them going out there performing. Nick's obviously got that hip injury, which needs to be sorted out first because that's that hasn't that hasn't got him. He hasn't been able to get that under control. Once he does that, then he can load, put the load in, and work into his body he wants to. Um, but I think that's at the moment restricting him. So if he gets that right first, then it, then you're a happy camper because you can go out and and put all the work out there. Um, and then it sort of transforms on the tennis court. But look, he's he's uh, he's younger. He's he's got more. Uh, he's more involved in the game. He's he wants to be a he wants to be a a, a top end player. There's no doubt about that. And uh, he'll find his way. Clearly, Kyrgios has got the fire in the belly. The big concern for everyone here back home is the white pantyhose, Roger. <laughs> Did uh, you like it? No, we we're not a fan. Uh, if he's going to wear pantyhose or leggings, he's got to he's got to have a colour or a pattern. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't have been. Uh, geez, it wouldn't have been my choice, my personal choice. And I'm actually surprised that all the all England clubs here at the championships they allowed. Mm. Uh, I, it's just not tennis. Not. No, it was. It was it quite strange. Not. But anyway, it was, I, I wouldn't have gone the pattern. I would have. 
I would have liked maybe some tennis balls on there printed on. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I think if Ashley Barty yeah. wore them, fine. But when Nick Curious is rolling them out, I think that's when it's a bit of an issue. <laughs> hey, Rog, we really appreciate your time. Enjoy him, Howie. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, fingers crossed for you and your Port Adelaide boys as well. Yourself, Boris Becker, Adam Peacock, every night. The coverage is absolutely fantastic on Fox Sports. And hopefully we can speak to you about some more positive stories soon, Rog. I see page three of the Herald Sun today, Moo Man. I really enjoyed the movie Body of Lies with Vince Colosimo and Leonardo DiCaprio. But I... Vince Colosimo, one of our great actors. Well, yes, and I read with a little bit of uh, disappointment today the first paragraph. Underbelly star Vince Colosimo faces a possible stint in jail after being charged with being behind the wheel while suspended from driving and under the influence of drugs. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, earlier in the year, he was charged with possessing methamphetamine, and he said it was a wake-up call. Uh, clearly, he's uh, stayed awake uh, under the influence of methamphetamine, maybe. Yes. Uh, potentially, allegedly. Uh, it is his second charge of driving whilst suspended, and so they're suggesting in that article that Vince may, in fact, uh, face some jail time this time around. Uh, so he might be going to Wentworth for real, and, of course, a lot of people would know Vince from the Underbelly series. He brought Alfonso Gangitano to life. So now he's stepped onto the other side of the rails. But we have had exclusive access. Oh, I like exclusive. To the police media from within the vehicle. Because uh, when Vince was pulled over, apparently he started quoting from movies he's been in. He uh, didn't. He did so. The police came up to the vehicle and uh, he quoted this from Street Hero. Everything will be all right. I promise. And uh, the police... Is this from the dash cam? This is, is from the dash cam, that's right. <laughs> right, right. Of course it is. Okay. Exclusive I just, access. I just want to make sure everyone realises this is 100% real. This is real. Okay. Because uh, Vin, Vince got a little bit annoyed. He thought the police were getting a little bit rude. Who do you think you're talking to, mate? Oh, sorry. Was I being rude? Yes, mate. You were being very f***ing rude. So that was a police officer. Yeah, he was quoting from Chopper there. Right. Uh, and then the police asked him whether there was any cash in the car. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash. All right? Cash, no. Robo? No cash. <laughs> and then finally... When you be get me snorting, that's when I start to think things are entertaining. Before they charged him, he decided to give them a bit of dating advice from the Wog Boy. Picking up women is about a lifetime commitment. And remember, curls get the girls, all right? Write that down. Write that down. Curls get the girls. Definitely not the ice pipe. Exclusive so... dash cam audio. Have yeah. we got a video of this that we can put on the Triple M website or not that exclusive? Yeah, we're mashing it up now. TC's, TC's getting that ready as we speak. Excitement in the studio because Big Mac Gorn from the Demons has wandered in and has been presented by Rosie with your very own Triple M Beanie Maxwell. Welcome to you and you look magnificent. Thanks, Howie. Thanks, uh, Moons. I'm looking forward to the winter breakfast. Uh, Rosie's given a winter feel and given me a nice beanie, which mm. is good. They're very exclusive for the Triple M audience. If you're a club member, you can do your jury duty and win one, but uh, you get one because you're a known beanie lover. Yep. And welcome to our exclusive club, Max. And, and where's it well? A lot to get through in other sport, which we'll get to. But firstly, footy, mate. Uh, your man, Tommy Bug, on the back page of the paper, six-match ban. Thoughts and how... It's a strange question, but how is Tommy Bug? Yeah, look, Buggy's uh, he's walking down, walking around with his head down at the moment. Mm. So, um, obviously, it's hard to feel sorry for him with the action that was on the field. Like, we mm -hmm. don't condone that at all. 
Um, well I'll, said, Max. I probably would have reacted the same way the Sydney guys did throughout the game. So, but now we've got to probably put an arm arm around him as hard as that might might be for people that don't like the incident or so on. Um, Buggy's one of our teammates. He's back before the finals, and there's a chance we do play finals. So we might we uh, might might need him. Do you reckon six weeks is fair enough? Um, well, I don't know what the, what what the go is with tri- with tribunal results. Um, what, what what did Solomon what? get? What did Barry Hall get? They I don't Barry Hall got seven. Yeah. I don't know whether Max can even comment on a tribunal result without losing a kidney in his firstborn you, you, you from the AFL. You don't know Max. <laughs> Max can comment on whatever Max wishes to comment. It's interesting what you said about putting an arm around him, though. I thought the footy club, and congratulations to Ryan Larkin and the media team, to put him up on Friday night to bang it on their head was the right approach, for Indeed. want of a better term. Um, to get him up there, he was obviously very repentant. Um, he'd done the wrong thing, but I think to get the story done and dusted is the way to go, Maxie. Well, the best result would have been if the tribunal yep. decided to go on Saturday morning yeah. or, something, or, or something like that, because I've seen five five days of this, um, which wouldn't be helping Buggy, wouldn't be helping Callum Mills, wouldn't be helping Sydney or, 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 or Melbourne. This is media that we don't want, but... Um, you got to hit it on the head early. We've done it a couple of times this year. Buggy's unfortunately been in the centre of it a bit, so he's been straight up on the uh, press conference straight away. So I reckon that's the way media's going in footy, and you probably should get on the front foot. Yeah, there right. was calls for that uh, early tribu- tribunal hearing uh, across the weekend, and it makes a lot of sense why they can't sit on a Saturday morning. Because uh, as you say, you know, we were looking at footage of the incident uh, just before we went to air, so it's being replayed ad nauseum on the TV. So. The sooner it gets well, done, for the something, better. For something smaller, so Buggy's obviously a severe case, but for something smaller, it could get a push from one week to three weeks just because of the commentary for five for five days around, around yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, uh, now, week, weeks, sorry, Moons, just a yeah. one, quick one more. A week's a long time in footy. A week ago, the media world is starting to talk up Melbourne and finals, and then injuries. you got Jesse, Buggy, Watsy, Jonesy, Viney, Lucky Gorney's out there. But, mate, not only the injuries you got, the injuries to your big-name players and a big blow with your skipper as well. Both skippers now, Jonesy and Viney, are going to spend time on the side. Yeah, we've had um, we've had it all, all, all season. Uh, Lewis and Vince were both suspended in the first few weeks and then Hogan and myself have been out for the majority of the year. And now we've got a big clump of players. Um, mm. Watsy, Jeffy Garlett, uh, obviously Buggy and the, two, and the two captains. But what it gives, our VFL team have won six in a row. They had a loss on the weekend, but six in a row before that, and we can just pick another mm. soldier. Uh, I thought you... Thank you, you Alistair Clarkson. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you started soldier. well. He says. It does. <laughs> Friday night, uh, the Demons looked really up and about. They were, they were quite physical, of course, and uh, I, I thought you know you had a couple of chances to put some scoreboard pressure on the Swans. You copped one quite high. Yep. How did that go for you? Because you were down on your knees for a bit, weren't you? Um. When I say you copped one quite high, you copped one quite low. Yeah, yeah. But well, it, high, made it, it made my not, voice go high. Right, um, okay. But it no, wasn't in the NARS, was it? It was just in between the uh, spot you don't want to get hit and yep. probably that stomach region. So um, I probably stayed down for a little bit longer than I should have. I was trying to milk something that wasn't okay. there. But, um, <laughs> well, well my heart for, went out to you, so I, well done. I think the word for that is staging, but I won't say I was doing that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, look, it was a pretty physical game. I actually made uh, Nathan Jones' brother Zach. I gave him a little cut on his head. Did we, uh, you do that? Yeah, we clashed heads. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you opened him right up. Too. Yeah, I, I got a little bump and he got seven cuts. So <laughs> that says something from the size of my head, Howie. Maxie, you stick around. There's a lot to get through with you. You've been watching the Tour de France and Wimbledon this morning. So you yep. are licensed to comment on some of the controversies blowing up in world oh. sport. I can't get my eyes off that beanie. You are a magnificent <laughs> one, specimen of a man. I couldn't wear it like you. Breaking news. Breaking news, I need to interrupt you for a moment. 
Uh, this is huge. It is. Out of the uh, States. Joey Chestnut, my favourite uh, big eater, has won the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog title for a record 10th time. This is the closing stages. Ruffin and Nadal got 10. Joey Chestnut looks like he's getting 10. Unofficially at 71, that would be a record here. They just threw him another one, 72 unofficial, which would be a record for the corner surf and Stillwell, 101st running of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Contest. 72 dogs, 10 minutes, a record time of winning the mustard belt, as they call it. Well mm. done to Mika Sudo, the female winner who ate 41 dogs and buns. Uh, the second wow. place only got through 32 franks and buns. Impressive, Moons. Uh Joey Chestnut uh, also features in Think Like a Freak if you want to read about how he became the great hot dog eater because I've uh, taken a lot of interest in Joey's career because I have won two eating competitions consecutively. This surprises me not. You are staring at my midriff. You maintain eye contact, please. No body shaming on this show. I wasn't going to say anything, Joey. Come on, You. Just get your story out, Tubbs. It's the new racial discrimination. (laughs) I have won the commercial radio uh, Good Friday pancake eating competition consecutive years 2003-2004. How many pancakes? Uh, I think I got a dozen in. Okay. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many, but washing them down with water, that's the way to go. Are you any good on the tooth, Maxie? I believe, Max. Not with hot dogs. That you have uh, got a record yourself, though. Uh, Second. Runners up. Uh, We had a dumpling contest. (laughs) I got to 55. Oh, Maxie. And that, that, that didn't even win, Howie. James James Magna, uh, the, yeah. oh, the, yeah. the former D, got 61. 61 wow. dumplings. But the problem is I've never had a dumpling since because I was blocked up for two weeks. <laughs> really? You'd, so there was 55 dumplings that were stuck in there for two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> that is a long time to be backed up. Yeah. So uh, ironically, is. 55 dumpos, no dumpo. <laughs> and uh, how did you play that day, Maxie? This was the bad old days that demons ran straight out onto the G. How'd it you was actually mid-season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't a great day for the Ds. <laughs> so how, over what period of time? Just over as long as you want to go? Uh, I was, yeah, I was obviously uh, dinner serve. Right, um, we okay. didn't have a timeline to it. It was almost... Stop when you can't put them right. in anymore. That's impressive, 55 <laughs> yeah. dumplings. Hey, you're a big fan of all sorts of sports. You've been watching the Tour de France this morning. Peter Sagan, after he clashed uh, with the, well, what do they call him, the Manx Missile the, Cavendish, the missile who, who went down. Um, how did you see that one? Um, yeah, so I've been going to, going to bed at about 9 o'clock so I can wake up nice and early to watch some uh, highlights, mm. which was good. Um, but... Knocking Sagan out of the competition like that is almost like kicking Buddy Franklin out of the AFL. Or taking Warney out of the test side. You can't do it. He's bringing everyone to that race. Um, He's already won one. Mm. Uh, He actually won two two nights ago and his foot came off the pedal during during the middle of the sprint. So he's a super talent. He's an entertainer as well. But it does open the door. The next best Peter Sagan is an Australian, Michael Matthews. So hopefully we can see a few stage wins there. Did you think there was much in it when he threw the elbow out uh, or closed out the... The Mad Manx or whatever he's well, name I think is. The, the Manx con- Missile. The, if you look closely. <laughs> the Mad Manx Missile, I'm calling it. Cavendish. <laughs> the contacts already made before Cavendish uh, got the elbow, I reckon. So he looked like he was going down and then Sagan put the elbow out. It doesn't look good, but... Is the body just uh, anxious now to make the sport as straight and as clean as possible so they're, you know, they're, they're being harsh? Been harsh on uh, crashes as well. Uh, on everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it was the right decision for the... It was a, it was a 50-50. Anyway, they've, they've kicked him out. How would you feel if one of your teammates post-game didn't play a best, their best game and say, 
you know, let's not know. Let's just say what's he came out post game and rolled out a Bernard Tomic. I'm not really that interested. I'm just here for the money style press conference. Um, well, team sports are completely different to the individual sports. Um, you make a good point, Max. I don't. Obviously, if someone did that within the team, I'd be quite distressed. But mm. um, I don't mind what Bernie's done. I reckon we should just Channel Seven just stop covering his games. He, he doesn't want to play tennis. Let's watch some other people that want to play tennis and. He'll get his 50 grand check and he'll move on. First round mm. Wimbledon, 84 minutes, picks up to 60 grand. I thought, uh, aside from, you know, being a little bit refreshing in its honesty, it was also a cry for help. He said, this game doesn't satisfy me anymore. It he was. even said, it's mental. I can't seem to find the commitment to work hard to lift the trophies. Now, I don't think he's talking literally there about being unable to lift a trophy. <laughs> he just doesn't want it. He doesn't feel it. And I mean, the money's there for him. So when he said, whether I go first round or fourth round, I'm going to pick up a paycheck. I'm just going to work until I'll, I'll have enough money to retire on. You know, I think on record he says that he still wants to play Davis Cup. So there's a chance yeah. that Leighton Hewitt could do some coaching or mentoring role as the Davis Cup coach. You couldn't get more, di- more diametrically opposed approaches to a game of tennis, though, would you? In all seriousness, you know, yeah, what, what Leighton's yeah. about and what Leighton loves and what Bernard's serving up at the moment. I think you're right, Moomin. I think he just needs he needs a month out of the game. Or So what else is going on away from footy, Maxie? I know you live an interesting and very life away from the football field. What else are you up to? Um, yeah, so apart from, obviously, the early morning wake-ups mm. at the moment... Um, I'm actually travelling down for the next two days. I'm going down to my mum's cafe down in Gippsland. Where's that? Uh, in Lock. Lock. Which is an I hour and Lock is. 15, maybe an hour and 20. Uh, I might get there in an hour what's, and 10. But... What's the name of the cafe if we're in Lock? Uh, Olive at Lock. Olive? Yes. Is your mum's name Olive? No, the ca- oh. her convy van is, which you might, uh, right. you, might, you might really enjoy this, Howie. Now, just ease up. <laughs> <laughs> what Lauren said about me, combi vans and big, what did you call them? I called... Uh, Sparking up a fatty yes, that's on the July road. The case. Just because you that's serve, what, everyone thinks this is what you do. That's what they do in combi vans. I've had a combi van. It's not yeah. what I did. Is this what your mum does in her combi van? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And maybe so your mum's punched you... a few billies in her time? <laughs> Explaining a lot about you now, Max. Well, I'm going down to my mum's uh, this afternoon, so I'll be careful what I say. But um, yeah, I'm going down there to be behind the coffee machine for two for two days. So uh, Wada, just if Wada's listening, Max will be back at training at 9am tomorrow morning <laughs> if, you, if you need to catch up. So what are you doing down there with your beautiful mother? Uh, just making coffees. Uh, she's about 10 minutes from the beach, so I'll go down there and uh, relax. This, take... is a, this is a coffee connoisseur, this man, Moons. He loves his coffee. What are you drinking at the moment? What's your favourite bean? Uh, is the Supreme bean. The Supreme, Supreme bean. Supreme is actually a, just a little place in Richmond. It's a New Zealand bean. Uh, it's unlike me to stay heritage strong with mm. my New Zealand bean, but uh, it's actually the one that my mum uses in a cafe. What, so. what would you say if I told you I've never, ever drunk a coffee in my life? Oh, that's, oh, that's your choice. First is that, of all, is that, is he's that a true? surfer that's never skinned up a fatty <laughs> and he's never had a coffee. What kind of a doyen are you? No wonder you look at me askance when I talk about eating pancakes. You know, no, it was more the bottle of red wine every night that I was looking at you about. That's uh, good. Those surfers, good for your red flavanols. So those surfers think they wake up by hitting their head. Their head hits the water. That's, that's the wake it. up, isn't it? That's, right. that's all the coffee you need. Oh, they, they breach like a whale. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maxie, appreciate you coming in. You got the Blues this Sunday. The game will be on Triple M. How are you feeling for that one? Yeah, so it's the first first time in a long time that we've got more than six days off. So we've got nine days off for this one. So we're already thinking about it. We already talked about Carlton on Monday. So it's a long wait, but uh, we're looking forward to getting out there. Great to have you in. And as a result, you get that magnificent Triple M beanie. Looking Max Gorn, an Thanks, absolute Maxie. superstar. Thanks, boys. You don't like to read on the front page of the paper statements like this. North Korea claims it has successfully tested an intercontinental ballistic missile capable 
of reaching Australia or the United States. A successful test overnight. Went for 40 minutes before it plummeted into the sea near Japan. Thankfully, 40 minutes. 40 minutes it was up there for. It's Thankfully, really... our world leaders have responded in an appropriate fashion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, said... North Korea has just launched another missile. Does this guy have anything better to do with his life? Hard to believe that South Korea and Japan are putting up with this much longer. And then he goes on to inflame Via China. Twitter. Via, Via Twitter. Twitter. Perhaps China will put a heavy move on North Korea and end this nonsense once, for, once and for all. Now, a heavy move would mean an invasion or a missile or assassinating the, the whole Kim Jong family. Uh, so yeah, there's a bit of Twitter diplomacy for you. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of thrilled by the idea. Thrilled of, of North Korea having a, a missile. Listen, last night on the 7:30 report mm. with Stan Grant, I watched uh, Richard Brunovsky, a former uh, diplomat, saying, you know, India, Pakistan, France. Israel, Russia, America, they all test rockets. Yes. Some of the tests don't go to plan. They never get any publicity. But all of a sudden, uh, North Korea have a go and we lose our collective minds. And his point was, we've been put into a state of panic about a nation we know nothing about. Well, that's why, because we know nothing about it. But that's that we're, we're, just, we're told what to think. And so we think it. We think that this guy's out of control. I mean, you know, we've come to know the Kim Jong family mostly through Team America, and uh, they don't seem like bad people. Hans Briggs, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that, seemed, that seems fairly reasonable. Yeah, I see what you're doing and, here. And, you know, sometimes the Kim Jong family, Why they, they so feel things. Why aren't more people intelligent like me? Yeah. I'm so lonely, you know, so lonely. Why can't we just feel for these guys? All I'm saying Part is, of the top. I hope he's not streaming Triple M at the moment because now he's got a missile that could reach here well, at Triple well, M. Well, no, he can't reach Melbourne. But, you know, oh, the, he can't. The idea, look, listen, we've all been to places in Australia where if we had the chance, we would wipe them off the face of the <laughs> earth. You can't say that, Terrible Lawrence. places. Yes, we have. We've all been to the trots at Melton. And... and <laughs> No, I'm sure, tongue-in-cheek, there's places that you've been out on the back roads where you've copped a bad vanilla slice and a very dodgy latte, <laughs> and you think, if I had the button, I'd push it. One triple three five. Oh, you can't open it up. One triple three five three. If you had the button on the intercontinental ballistic missile, which place in Australia would you go? See you later, mate. We've had a gutful. Tweets love it on Twitter. We're going to get a bit of Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suggested on bit at, of Twitter love. I suggested on at MM Hot Breakfast that Punt Road on a Friday around oh, Swan Street. Boom! Bang! Yeah. Gone. Hard to argue with that. Um, Matthew Dunn tweeted saying Sydney as a collective whole. Oh, a bit mm. hard on the people of Sydney. Or Paul Sarong suggests Adelaide. So no, we're, we're, right. we're, it's it's joke, so we get all the people out there. <laughs> right, right. So it's the, it's the place, yeah, not yeah, the people. The place. It's the place. Boom, gone. It's a concept. Yeah. Come on, mate. There must have been a place that you've gone to where you've gone. As it disappeared in the rearview mirror, I'm glad I'm not going to go back there. <clears throat> Maui. <laughs> oh, the voice of Gippsland, Howie. Oh, the people of the Latrobe Valley. Not, you said it wasn't the people. No, no, but you said it wasn't the people. No, it wasn't. 
It was the place. Just for you, it'll be the big people. Um, Tim Whitelaw suggesting um, Wimbledon for Bernard Tomic. Yeah, Wimbledon, oh, yeah. that's a fair call. What about you Bernard then? Bernard Tomic, maybe. This is your idea. Well, Anthony uh, was a caller before. He said, my place. So obviously, you know, there is a point where you've had a gutful and you think, I can't do another load of washing. I'm not picking up any more toys. Zip, boom, is that, gone. Is that his place or because he's listening to you on the radio, he's referring to your place? Either or. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rose? Where would you like to see uh, I've got Punt Road, but, um, you know, actually my joint at the moment is a, is a bomb site, mm. literally. So, yep, my place can go. Intercontinental ballistic missile hit your, uh, your gearbox and yesterday the, too. Yes, and the milk bar that charged $7.50 for a small block of chocolate, that oh, can be yeah. bombed. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of retail outlets that I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Darren from Endeavour Hills. He's uh, on the line. G'day, Darren. How are you? Yeah, I'm Ed from Mowie. I'm a bit offended by that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Daz, I wasn't talking about the good folk. I was just talking about the locale in general. And this is from a Gippsland boy who grew up in Tyres. So I say that, that I'd like to blow up Mowie with the greatest possible respect. All oh, right. So it's a bit... Yeah, that's right. I'd like to take out the big four banks boardroom. Just yes. put them all in one boardroom. Right. putting all the banks together. Intercontinental yeah, ballistic good. missile... Have you got a home loan at the moment, Darren? Yes, I do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're wiping your own debt. Thank you very much for that. Yesterday, you were talking to me about your magnificent new show on Channel 7 at 9pm last night called Behave Yourself. Behave Yourself. Warney was involved. You were involved. Premier. Kate Langbrook. And the reason you hooked me into this show, because you started talking about it yesterday. And when oh, I heard... You, you would have tuned in for Darren McMullen. You're a well, massive Well, I would have. And we spoke fan. to him yesterday. He's a good man and Warney. Yeah. And after you threw this out, I thought, well, I have to tune in and watch this show. Uh, one of the games tonight <laughs> is the name game where we line up six people. We've got six okay. names and you have to match the name to the person, of course, because I reckon the people are their names. One of the funniest bits of this was at the end, there's a dog comes out and, of course, you have to match the dog to the owner. And oh. the old thing of dogs look like their owners, of course, it became very funny when the dog turned around and had a massive pink anus and you thought, well, I, I don't want to have to match that with the owner. <laughs> so I watched the show in its entirety last mm. night. I watched the whole thing when I'm I tired know. and emotional and, to be honest, no dog anus. No dog anus here. No. <laughs> I know. And no. I had promoted that as part of the name game. Yes. I can't remember whether it was Debbie or Leone's dog. The, mm. and, and the dog... It really did look like the owner. There was a little bit of underbite. But what happened? A, a bit of lazy eye. And uh, it, it was hilarious. But seriously, the dog turned around and did have this distended rear end. Uh, what happened was uh, it ended up on the cutting room floor. Now, I didn't find that out because I, I was given a highlights reel of the show. Right. I didn't find that out until publicity uh, yesterday when they said, you've been speaking about the dog's anus <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. So some of your best work ended up on the cutting room floor. That's right. And now, how does that make you feel as a renowned comedian? Well, you know, you've got to you've got to kiss your babies goodbye at times. <laughs> <laughs> what you did bring up, they were asking you about divorce, which I did enjoy on the show last night. The divorce rate is higher in this March or that December. Oh, oh Lawrence and Emily know this one. I reckon it's probably March. Yeah, right? post Christmas. Christmas. Pushes As like, everyone oh, to your limit. family, yeah. you, 
you shitty present. <laughs> so you reckon the divorce rate is higher in this March? You're absolutely correct. This it March. Is this coming this March. March. Nice work by you. We did enjoy the show. Um, the ratings will be th- soon uh, through, which I'm looking forward to also seeing. Warnie was nails. on the show. Warnie was on the show. How was it dealing with the great man? Well, uh, I've met Warnie quite a few times through Triple M. He's a friend of Triple M and The Hot mm. Breakfast. And... Uh, I've got to say, what you see is what you get with Warney. And that's why I think the Australian people love him and forgive him and uh, revere him because, you know, he's a fundamental man and he is what he is. He And he's open to everyone. He's uh, happy to speak to, you know, paupers or princes. And uh, he's a terrific guy. It's interesting when you get the two of us together because Warney's had all of the behaviours and they've been very highly publicised and... So I've shared some of the behaviours, but they haven't been as publicised. And so I, I understand that it would be very difficult to be him, you know, without setting a foot wrong. The interesting thing about Warren in terms of Australian men is, you know, he's probably the greatest spin bowler of all time. Took, you know, over 500 wickets. 700. Uh, uh, yes, which, which is, is over, over 500. 500. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mathematically yeah. speaking, that is over 500. You know, you're quite correct there. Took over 700 wickets. Yes. <laughs> but still, we just go, oh, he went out with Liz Hurley. There you go. <laughs> and bringing out a book too, which I'm really looking forward to with Warney. The show is magnificent. It's called Behave Yourself. It was on at 9 p.m. last night, but next Tuesday. Next is Tuesday, on... 7.30. It's co- it was coming off the back of uh, House Rules, the final. And so next week, uh, check it out. Tuesday night, it's hosted by Darren McMullen. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> On Triple M's Winter Breakfast, it's the Spore Thought. Robots got it. For all your building supplies, R-O-B-O-T. When you want to know footy, you get this man on the line. Dominates for Triple M football on a Sunday. Spent some time also writing for the Herald Sun. Jay Clark is on the line. A line joining us. Hello, Car- Clarky. Hello, Howie. How are these uh, early mornings treating you, my friend? It's not normally my strong hitting zone. I'm normally more a quarter <laughs> past eight out of bed, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here, mate. Uh, Tommy Bugs, six weeks. What were your thoughts, Clarky? Yeah, it was dead right, uh, Howie. Six matches was the correct result. Let's be honest, the AFL Tribunal totally stuffed things up last week. Oh, yeah. The two-match ban for Basha Hooli, which was uh, overturned for the first time. Uh, but last night, I think the AFL wanted a five to seven match suspension somewhere within that range. And Tommy Bug uh, copped six weeks and uh, really threw himself at the mercy of the tribunal. Very apologetic for his hit on Callum Mills. Very remorseful. Uh, and now he's got to go back. He's got to earn the trust of his teammates, fellas. He's got to rebuild his reputation because I think everyone right now thinks he's a hothead. He's a bit of a pest. And he clearly overstepped the line uh, hitting Callum Mills with that flush left jab five minutes uh, into Sydney's win at the weekend. So six matches, fellas, I reckon he's spot on. No notable references last night appearing at the Tribunal. The Prime Minister was quiet. Uh, <laughs> Waleed Ali didn't turn up. No, nothing like that, Lawrence. Did you receive any calls or uh, any sort of last call? <laughs> 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 hey, Clark, Clark, a really interesting article in the paper today by John Ralph. The buzz as he operates. Headline, Polish the CV Bucks. Interesting headline. But it's a discussion about the number of games lost by Collingwood's best players. Not many games lost is the gist of the article. Yeah, so that midfield really is under the microscope. Pre-season champion Barter said Collingwood had the number one ranked midfield in the competition. And while I guess um, they often have more inside 50s than their opposition um, throughout every game this season, uh, fellas. It's the connection with the forward line 
which has really let them down. Now, also, I think in the Pies' defence, you've also got to say that Jamie Elliott, who didn't play at all last year, uh, has been missing. I think Travis Varco's speed um, is very important. And when you look at the recruits, and all this management has been a hot talk, talking point after Paul Ruse on Sunday, how he said it had been appalling in recent yeah. years. You've got to look at Chris Main hasn't got a game. Uh, Daniel Wells has uh, had two calf setbacks. And, um, you know, Will Hoskin Elliott has been in and out. So... That sort of um, the, the recruiting, the, the cream on the cake, so to speak, um, hasn't really happened this year um, either. But you're right. I mean, Trelaw, um, Tay Adams has probably been the one whose disposal has been really rusty in recent weeks. He's had a really good season up until that Melbourne game, but has butchered the footy uh, in recent weeks. So when you look at that, the top 10 best and fairest players all playing this season, you mm. sort of think, well, Bucks hasn't got a lot of excuses. Jay, Sunday the Bombers went down to the Lions. I was invited along to the chairman's lunch at the behest of uh, mm. the great man. Yes, indeed. Mm. And uh, I, I after the aus- under the auspices of a few frothies... Ten. Ten, you said. I tweeted... A few and ten are very different numbers It's only for two mine. and a half, two and a quarter, a quarter. Anyway, uh, I did tweet at the end of the game... Can the at Essendon Football Club do me the favour and do me a favour and not take any positives from that game? It was no good. Hashtag AFL Don's Lions. I'm not the CEO of the club, so Xavier Campbell did feel like he had to retract his. Yeah, he has apologised to the playing group for that pretty critical tweet. At the end of the game, he said it was too firm uh, and probably too emotional. Uh, which I think is the right move because as the CEO um, of a footy club, I don't think you want to separate yourself um, from the playing group, really. And while he didn't say anything that was too bad, you know, maybe it just wasn't such a, a great look. So I think it was the right step um, from Xavier Campbell, and that's especially when you consider just what the playing group has been through over the past three years in regards to all the Asada stuff, you know, uh, not not playing last year, obviously. I Personally, I think the Bombers deserve a big tick, a, a big pass mark for the footy they've played this season, you know, in uh, um, considering everything that sort of happened to them. So, look, I think this is a smart play from Xavier Campbell. We all really yeah. like him and, and respect him um, just to make sure he, uh, he's staying uh, on, on on the same page as the players there. Xavier is a terrific bloke and uh, he's loved by the players and he loves that club. Uh, his tweet, for those of you who haven't read it, is not good enough, not even close. Fans deserve so much better. 41,000 came out today and we let you down. I don't think it was that harsh. Uh, it was pretty much standard stuff that you would get from, you know, your coaching panel or your committee. Um, but good on him for withdrawing it. Uh, Clarkie, Ali Fayor, the story continues oh, to Ali. grow. A second incident captured on camera, obviously. And I think everybody out there uh, with a right mind would say it's a horrific, disgusting, etc. thing to be doing on a football field. There's no place for it. Should never happen. I guess the interest now from a public point of view, is what happens to Ali and his position at the AFL. And this is dividing people a little bit more than the actual incident, which was indefensible. Yeah, for mine, it's uh, untenable, uh, clearly, Howie. I mean, you can't have the bloke whose job it is to go out to the communities every day, promoting the game, promoting inclusiveness, being a face of the game to um, many sort of uh, you know multicultural uh, people trying to promote footy. But then on a Saturday, you're going out and uh, and clobbering other people. As you said, the second incident at the weekend of him uh, whacking another bloke off the ball. Of course, there was a 2012 situation where he's uh, been in conduct with some fans, up the fence, and then two charges back in 2010. Now, he could be suspended or deregistered from the game tonight if he gets a nine-match uh, suspension 
which is just a horrible look. So, look, the AFL and Gillian McLaughlin will determine his position, maybe after seeing if there are any civil proceedings um, to come from this as well, whether Dale Saddington will press charges against Ali Fahur for that uh, whack on the weekend. So there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge yet. Uh, but for mine, Howie, he's, uh, his position's clearly untenable. Yeah, he should uh, he should walk away before he's sacked. So it, it's a bit of a cleaner look, I reckon. Yeah. Clarky, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you Sunday, 1 o'clock for the Sunday Rub. You're on fire as always. Anytime, Howie. Big show tomorrow. Joshy Jenkins from the Adelaide Crows. Go Mav on. Weller from the Saints. And Heath O'Loughlin, former Channel 7 tape operator, former Channel 9 sports reader, current North Melbourne media manager and uh, author, wrote a book with Boomer Harvey. He's got a book out as well called Sons of God, Inside the Secret World of Our Special Operations Group. Magnificent read from Heath. Check it out now. He'll be on at the show tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Stuff. I've enjoyed the three hours with you, Moon Man. What's on for the rest of your day? What's on tonight? Tonight I am taking Mrs. Mooney out for dinner oh. and then we are going to see the opening night of Vigil, uh, written by Steve Vizard, ah. starring the wonderful Christy Whelan-Brown, also one of the stars of Behave Yourself on Channel 7. So uh, we will be at the Art Centre, swanning around, drinking some bubbly, and oh. you are yeah. going out to dinner. I Tell am. me where you're going out to dinner, young Howie. <laughs> young know. little wit behind the ears, Howie. I'm going from to... Barwood Bloody Downs. I'm going to Nobu tonight. Nobu, yes. I, I have taught you how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> yes. What? How did me. you? Where did you say you were going to dinner before? I said I was going to Nobu. No, you didn't. Come on. Come on, be honest with the people. Okay, I'm a chicken parmigiana man. I thought I was going to Nobu. Nobu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You thought you'd get off to Nobu. <laughs> you know whose fault this is? I did three years of Japanese and I got 51% in the third year. Do you know who this fault is? You know who I sat next who to? Who did you in sit next year to in Japanese? Seven or eight Japanese with Miss Chalmers at Snans Gippsland Grammar School. Will Anderson is to blame for of my course. lack of Japanese understanding, and that's why Will I thought it was Nobu. He's a fan of the show, also responsible for shutting down the sawmill at Hayfield. No, you, he can never return bought, home. They've been bought out. They're going okay. The government <laughs> bought into them. So, yes. G'day, Will, if you're listening. And I, I know that you're a great friend of Will's, but now you move from Gippsland, yes. uh, the uh, backwater, yes. out to the robbing metropolis of Barwon Heads. Yes. Uh, so you are a Palmer man. So let's go through the, 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 the menu at, at Nobu. <laughs> <laughs> what would you go for? Would you go for the beef tataki with ponzu and garlic chips? What's ponzu? What's ponzu? It's an island off the coast of Italy. I don't... <laughs> What else have they if, got down there? If somebody there? said to you, uh, here you go, Mr. Howie. <laughs> oh, Mr. Howie. Here's the, here's the seafood ceviche, Nobu style. What is a ceviche? I don't eat seafood, so I'm not sure what uh, ceviche yeah, you is. It's not a type of fish. Uh, what about Japanese either. What about a tuna tataki and jalapeno salsa? Sounds hot. Yeah, it would be. Uh uh, so there's not much here for you. Oh, they've got the Wagyu beef. It's like beef, but it's just smaller. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there A, a chicken parma, or B, a chicken let me, Caesar? Let me just go through. <laughs> right. uh, no, they're not one of the great Italian dishes, the old parmigiana. <laughs> right. What are they doing down there? Here's something that you'll be able to... A fresh South Australian oyster with a trio of sauces. You don't do seafood, do no. you? What is it? Is it religious or you've got a I, fever? I or? figure that as much time as I spend in the surf, if I eat them, they might start eating me. Oh, right. So 
so it's a karmic thing. Oh, I'm looking forward to going down to Nobu tonight, um, and I'm staying up in town at the Magnificent Metropole, which I'm very happy about, so I don't have Nobu. to Yes. Big show tomorrow. Appreciate uh, your time, Lawrence, for making a fool out of me once again. Uh, and uh, thank you for fat-shaming me halfway through the show. <laughs> Well, maybe loose some kegs and we'll be okay. Mark Howe, Lawrence Meany, back from 6 tomorrow, winter breakfast. Thanks, Chubbs. Triple M. Bye now.